Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Kitchen Club is kindly sponsored by Sweaty Betty, who make the best yoga clothes ever. Yoga has had a really positive impact on my relationship with my body, but wearing the right clothes is also key for a mindful practice. Let's face it, we've all been there in down dog. You know you should be focusing on your breath, but actually you're wondering if your pants are on show or you're fighting to keep your top from falling over your eyes. So true. The girls at Sweaty Betty have answered our prayers. Their all-female design team of yogis have created amazing quality clothes that look great, feel awesome, and allow you to move really freely. So if you're in need of a little push to get on the yoga mat, or just an excuse to invest in some quality clothes to move in, Sweaty Betty are very kindly giving Kitchen Club listeners a generous 20% off, so you can practice in comfort and style. Simply enter the code Kitchen Club at the checkout online. And if you need a bit of inspo, Serena and I have both been living in the Garudasana pants, which are hands down the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. I literally can't take them off. Me neither. They need a wash. Don't forget to tag us in your sweaty Betty pics on Insta at Kitchen Club Podcast. We bet you will all look wonderful. Thanks, sweaty Betty. Thank you. Welcome to Kitchen Club with me, Serena Louth, and my lovely friend, Sarah Malcolm. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from around our kitchen table. Each week on the podcast brings a new guest and a new area of expertise for us to get stuck into, along with a new recipe created with our guests all time, three favorite ingredients. We also ask our guests to share their healthy habit, which is something that enhances their well-being. And we give it a little try ahead of recording and let them know how we got on. In this episode, we speak to Alice Living. Alice is a personal trainer, author of three best-selling cookbooks, blogger, podcast host, and has grown an incredibly impressive Instagram platform of thousands of dedicated followers. Alice's three favorite ingredients were mushrooms, eggs, and truffle. A girl after mine and Sarah's breakfast-loving hearts, I think. Head over to Instagram to at Kitchen Club Podcast if you want to see what we cooked for her. And here we go. This is Alice Living on Kitchen Club. Hi, Alice. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm feeling so full and happy from my amazing lunch that you guys cooked me. Oh, it was yay. so good. It was possibly, <laughs> I always say this, but possibly one of my favourites because I think that the ingredients you gave were very close to my favourite ingredients. Okay, good. Tell us what you chose. So I had eggs, which I'm sure is no surprise to anyone that follows me on Instagram. I also went with truffle, which has become a recent thing for me, but I absolutely love it. And mushrooms, which actually, would you believe, as a child, I hated. Did you? Hated, hated, to the point that I would literally refuse to eat. My mum used to make like mushroom soup and I was like, 
no way um but yeah in adult life they've become a real thing i feel like it's quite common though for mm. kids to hate mushrooms and tomatoes and then you grow into it mm. yeah olives was my one that i was like mm. why would you like them i try remember trying one and being like that is the worst food i've ever tasted <laughs> and then like as a teenager being like wow these are amazing <laughs> yeah but no so those are my three ingredients and what did you make, Serena? So we're super classy eating truffle on a Tuesday lunchtime. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> so bougie. So bougie. We had, well, you need to tell us about the bread. Sarah got this amazing sourdough from oh, Lumen- Luminary. Yeah. Luminary Bakery. And they actually do bread from the, so yesterday's bread for half price. So there's no food waste, which is incredible. So I actually picked up yesterday's bread. But we had it toasted and it was just as lovely. Can I say, I would have never have known and it was so good. Wasn't it? It Potato was sourdough. bloody good. We Lovely. actually finished lunch and then I also asked for another slice, which I had with butter and salt, which is probably my guilty pleasure, which I can <laughs> also add was delicious. It was so nice. So yeah, I'll be looking up the bakery. Oh yeah. Do you think you can get it online? Probably. Oh. They've opened another one in Chalk Farm. Okay. Still too far for me. Yeah, sorry. No, maybe that's maybe so I'll good. branch out. So we had Sarah's magical delicious bread <laughs> with parmesan mushrooms with some red onion and some garlic fried on top and then some rocket, a soft poached egg, some parmesan shavings and a big drizzle of truffle oil and some cracked black pepper. Mm. If that doesn't make your mouth water, I don't know what will. I know. And my boyfriend was actually saying to me this morning, he was like, I know what Alice's ingredients are. Don't be basic, Sarah. Like, don't make mushrooms on toast. But... It's one of my all-time favourite yeah. meals. You can't go wrong with it. Everyone loves basic breakfast. Yeah. Exactly. I could literally eat breakfast for breakfast, lunch or dinner. Mm-hmm. As in, like, those are my favourite things to have. So I would have them anytime. I love an omelette for dinner. I love any t- eggs on toast any time of the day. Yeah. We floated the idea of a, of a twice-baked mushroom, mushroom souffle and then decided that trying to cook a souffle in time for your arrival was mm. just going to be too stressful so next time we'll make your souffle honestly you couldn't have made anything better for me as soon as Yay. I walked in I saw it I was like I'm done that's amazing so well done you got it hole in one I'm <laughs> so glad you enjoyed it thanks Alice and you've been you trained this morning right so you I did I went to the gym you have an appetite I do yeah so I find if I train first in the morning it does spike my appetite so I tend to eat breakfast second breakfast lunch second lunch dinner mm. but you know just gotta just gotta like roll with it so um so yeah I always find if I do that whereas if I don't train I'm, I, I usually won't be hungry until like midday really? so it's really interesting yeah but um yeah, bod. yeah definitely yeah. and I think there's so much in that that makes me want to start training or like being a PT so I can have second breakfast and second lunch I mean I do it anyway yeah you teach yeah. yoga it's physical Walk around a bit. <laughs> Walk around, say some words. <laughs> so, Alice. Yes. You started your Instagram, like, many moons ago now. I'm Apparently I'm called Legacy Talent in, on Instagram. Really? Which wow. is, I, I feel really old by <laughs> them saying that, though. I was like, your wow, legacy. legacy Talent. One okay. of the originals. Yeah. That's nice, though, isn't it? How long is it yeah. now? Like, five years. Wow. Mm. wow. Yeah. And I feel like... When you first started out, your Instagram was very different. Well, not that different, but... Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're still doing fitness things. Yeah. It's always been fitness and sort mm-hmm. of food, breakfast mm-hmm. related. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, how has... Because at the beginning, it was very sort of weight loss. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. That was reflective of your own journey. Mm-hmm. How has your relationship... I guess we're going to dive straight in and go with... How's your relationship with your body... Mm. changed Mm -hmm. as your Instagram and as I guess society has sort of developed Mm. so I think to pick it apart I'd say it's a couple of different things firstly my relationship with my body I had to work on away from Instagram I think actually what I found the most difficult was having to go through that stuff in a sense publicly because I had a social platform that had already grown when I was doing a certain thing and then you start to deviate away from that um you still have to keep up with like the messaging that you're doing and I didn't suddenly just stop one day and was like right I'm never doing this again I wanted to carry on and actually like it's been amazing because it's given me a vehicle to be able to really showcase and this is I guess what people want is an authentic journey Mm -hmm. and if authenticity is what we want on social media then I guess that's what I showcased which was I did think this I realized it was wrong and actually maybe I was in a darker place than I realized coming out the back of that I um this is why it was wrong and this is what I think now. So I think that's been really interesting. Um, it's funny that you say that it was wrong though because at, 
I feel like someone said this to me the other day. It's only ever our own paths. Mm. Like we're always going to be on our own path. So rather than it being wrong, it was just you developing. Yeah, I think what I what I associate as being wrong is that I was very much of the mindset that because I was doing something and it was working for me, that it should work for absolutely everyone else and everyone should follow the same narrative that mm-hmm. I've done. And I truly did think at the time that I was doing a good thing, but now I look at that and think, actually, I now realise that we are all so different and require a huge amount of nuance in how we approach food and exercise and everything. So um, I think that's what I would highlight as being wrong. And I hate using that word because I don't want to like berate myself and say, oh God, I was so awful. But if I had to look back and reflect, I would say that was definitely something that I would say was probably wrong and has definitely shifted now my mindset. Um, But you're right. Like we we are all just on a journey and we're all learning as we go along. And um, I think, Ricky Gervais uses the quote where he says like if we never allow people to be wrong we never allow people to grow and I think that's really really important because I think we all have to make mistakes we all have to buck up like (laughs) to be totally honest like we do and there have been so many things that I've done wrong in my life both publicly and personally um that I can look back and be like wow I should have never done that even yesterday like I did something and Paddy and I hadn't argued about it and it was like you know, you look back and you think, oh God, why did I do that? But like, at least I can look back and reflect and learn. So I think, you know, whilst mine has been played out more publicly than most, it has been an opportunity to be able to just like, I guess, live a life, make mistakes, and then be able to go back and say, actually, do you know what? I did this, but now I think this, or I made a mistake there and this is what I think now. So yeah, I think it's been, it's been an interesting journey, but yeah. yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately about how much pressure we put on ourselves to, when we, when we fuck up and when we make mistakes and we always think, oh, I'm not doing enough of that or, oh, I did that really badly. And actually, like, we have to give ourselves credit for the things we do well. Mm. Like, you have probably changed the lives of so many people mm. and following your journey and following your, like, very honest account mm. and how you live your life and how you treat exercise now mm. is beautiful. And we have to, like... You have to give yourself a little mm. back. I think so. And I think it's a really interesting, uh, like, I think it's a really interesting point because I think we as a society, especially on social media, are far quicker still, I think, to jump down someone's throat when they do something wrong than to celebrate when someone does something right. And I think it's like, it's almost hardwired into us that, like, we've become quite, I mean, I guess I could call it, like, the call-out culture kind Mm of thing that has developed over the last couple of years is that like we would far rather be able to stand and point at someone and say oh you did this wrong when actually like you've probably made that mistake 10 times as well but it's easier to look at someone else and say oh you did that wrong rather than to reflect on our own mistakes um and so I think it's yeah I think it's really interesting and I think that then fuels this idea that we can't ever celebrate what we think we're doing really well. And, you know, there are loads of things that I think I am good at and I know my strengths. And I think that's something that I have come or I have grown into as a, as I've got older is I know what I'm really good at and I know that I can excel at those things, but I also know know what I'm not so good at and I need help with. And I think that comes from working on my own as well and having to like realize my skill sets and realize where I need to bring in help. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely something that we all need to be better at. It's like, we all have things we're good at. Mm. Um, it might be that like my strengths are completely different to yours. That doesn't make me any less of a person. It just means that you're really good at some stuff and I'm really good at other stuff. And we can both be like thriving in both of those, in both of those things. So, um, yeah, I do think you're absolutely right that like, we're very hard. We're all, we're all our own worst critics. And I think we can be better at, at being a little bit more, um, not self-promoting, but like, just like praising ourselves yeah. and, and like being kind to ourselves. And yeah, the world's the tough place as it is. So if you can be kind to yourself, then it's going to, at least going to exactly. be a little bit easier. Exactly. Be kind. Mm. So at the moment you are a PT and you see your clients privately mm-hmm. And then you've got your whole influence a part of your work with your cookbooks. Do you hate that Instagram. term? Are you okay with that term? What influencer? Oh, no, I don't hate it. Yeah, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. It's a funny term, but it's also, like, the most perfect description. Mm-hmm. Um, as Because, as you were saying, like, you have influenced so many women. And, yeah. And... But also then what do you, like, I hate being called, like, a social media star and I hate being called 
anything like that like I guess we all influence people we are all influencers exactly. in some way yeah but yeah my 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 to call me that isn't it I don't find it insulting or, or like annoying at all Good. it just is what it is perfect <laughs> <laughs> so we're wondering how you divide your time between the two how the two fit together how mm. you feel about the two aspects of your work yeah it's so um yeah it's a funny one because I the reason why I love still training people is twofold the first is that I find it incredibly fulfilling. I think that sometimes what I or what I did find with social media is it's not necessarily most instantly gratifying job. You know, you don't what well, and it is it isn't it isn't like you'll post something and you'll get likes and you get validation from that and you get gratification from that. Like we're all human, that's what happens. <laughs> but actually if you look at the wider picture of that, do you actually get that sense of fulfillment from like human connection or from actually like helping someone individually? No. And is that what I wanted to achieve from my Instagram? Yes. Like, I can't always see the people that are at the end of those other accounts that are, like, eating differently or exercising more or using my workouts in the gym. So having a client on the gym floor where I can take them from A to B and see that transition and see that change in them and be able to go on that journey with them is really fulfilling. And so I wanted to make sure that I kept some level of that regardless of what else was going on with my with my other side of my business because it meant that I could go home at the end of the day and feel really, like fulfilled in having done something and made a difference even in one person's life the second is that I think Instagram is a really murky world of unqualified professionals giving advice and I think that for me um I wanted to make sure that the advice I was giving was as evidence-based and as credible as possible otherwise how could I sit there and tell people what to do if I wasn't practicing what I preach so um keeping my like toe in the water or however we want to describe it but continuing to see clients continuing to spend time on the gym floor continuing to work within the fitness industry as a professional um is really important to my brand and to myself um to kind of in my head know that like I'm still keeping up with you know things change all the time even if I look at the fitness industry from when I first started to now how much it's changed um it's really important that I kept honing that skill set and improving it and growing with it um so that the advice that I was giving and everything else that I was doing on the other side of my business was really benefiting from that I feel like you're someone who I noticed that you are constantly on courses Mm. like you're constantly learning do you feel like that's I mean it can be both but do you feel like that's because you are naturally someone who just wants to know all this incredible stuff that the body can do or, and or do you feel like you almost owe it to your audience to be co- completely clued up on, mm. on that? I think it's an interesting one because I, I answer saying that all the time. I'm like, I think it's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm so no, interested. I think it's, yeah, but I think it's, I think it's funny because you never stop learning. So like, there are a lot of people that I see will enter into the fitness industry or into anything actually. And they've done a course and suddenly they're an expert and it's like guru status appointed and that's it. Um, whereas I think I appreciated very early on in my career that you never, ever stop learning. And that actually that's what makes a really good coach is like, it's almost that Dunning-Kruger effect that you start learning a little bit and then you suddenly realize there's so much that you have to learn and that you will almost never get to that expert status because as soon as you get there, it means you've stopped learning. Um, So I think that the advancement of my skill set, the fact that I like to always do courses, the fact that I'm really interested in learning more is not because I want to please anyone on social media, but more because I have this inner drive to be like, well, I'm never going to know everything. So I might as well just keep plowing away at that because there's always something to learn. Um, So I've done everything from PRI, postural restoration. I've done uh, exos courses. I've done um, all sorts of stuff. Um, I flew out to Amsterdam for like a massive conference out there. Um, I'm doing my pre and postnatal qualification. Uh, I shadow a physio who does pelvic uh, who's specialized in pelvic health so like a really diverse range of stuff mm. and I think that helps you to be the most well-rounded coach because no client is ever the same as I'm sure you guys know as yoga mm-hmm. teachers no one is ever the same and everyone requires a slightly different and tailored approach and so if you can bring as much to that person as possible and as much um knowledge and experience as possible to that person you're able to provide them with like the best possible solution to whatever they're looking for rather than just being like well this is the route that I follow I only ever do this and if you don't like that 
there's the door, which I think is sometimes what PTs can be really guilty of. You know, like I know so many, and I've heard many horror, horror stories as well, but I know so many trainers who are like, this is the way that I train. Um, if you don't like it, you know, get out. Like I, I only weight train. Women should all weight train. It's like, I do believe that women should weight train in some capacity, but also if you don't like it, I'm not going to force you to do it. Like yeah. that's, that's so wrong. So yeah, I think it's about being as, as well-rounded as possible to be able to like really help that person in front of you and listen to what they want. A good trainer will always be like half bringing their knowledge and experience, but then also half like really adapting to what the person in front of them is telling them and wants and needs, which I think is so important and really overlooked. Mm. And it gives you the confidence, doesn't it, to to go in there and be like, right, I know what I'm doing. Mm. I'm not going to second guess myself mm. because I know what uh, from the knowledge that I've acquired, mm. this will help. Yeah, and I remember like for the first, even for the first like couple couple of years, maybe even three years, I was so self conscious being on the gym floor in front of other coaches. I remember being like really intimidated, and bearing in mind like the gym. The gym floor, like landscape, should we call it, has changed a lot over the last couple of years. And there are like way more women PTing now and and in that space than there ever were. But like when I first started, I was like probably one of not very many. And it was really intimidating. And there was this definite sort of like male dominance and real ego and um, kind of a bit of, um, what's the word, kind of like resistance to mm. to women entering into that space. And I did find that really difficult. And actually what it made me do was really like go into myself and think, oh my God, I know nothing. I'm useless. I'm this, I'm that. Um, and it, and it just didn't, it didn't provide a, a, like a, an environment in which I felt like I could flourish. And then I met this guy who was a coach at Third Space where I work called Andy Vincent. I don't know if you've seen him. He's like a, He's an amazing coach and he became my mentor. And the reason why I love him is because he has the most amazing approach to helping people, whether they're his clients or he's mentoring them or whatever, where like he gives you a little bit, but then he, he makes you like make up the rest. So I don't I don't know how to explain it, but I, I like think creating space for you to, for you to be able to answer your own questions. Yeah. And I think that's a really like powerful thing to be able to do is that half the time it's just giving someone the confidence to to make them know that they already know what they're doing but that like they just need to be told they know what they're doing (laughs) which I think is half the battle with all of us and you know a lot of the time if we're if we're if we're given the space to be able to like stop think and like consider we probably do know the answers ourselves but we're sometimes so scared of making mistakes or going wrong that we hold ourselves back from a lot of stuff so for him he came in he was training me at the time and we were doing a mentoring session a week and it just like propelled me into this new sense of confidence and of um like wanting to learn more and be way more inspired in my training and in my education because I suddenly felt that there was someone that really believed that I could do it and that was that I was actually good at what I do so yeah I have a lot to thank him for so obviously a huge amount of your life is online Mm -hmm. and I imagine with that all your followers want to constantly know what you're doing and see where you are and so we were wondering about how you kind of make that split how you differentiate between your online life and your offline life and if I'm doing quote marks work Alice is the same as real Mm. life Alice yeah so Pani and I literally had an argument about this last night because I am definitely addicted to my phone and it's something that I really hate and I'm trying to be better at it because it's so um it is really debilitating because like to me, that is my work. So like, I almost justify like constantly being on my phone is like, yeah, but I'm working. Mm. But like, am I actually? And Paddy used a really good example, which I just love and has really stuck with me. And like, we have a great relationship. Paddy, Paddy's my boyfriend, by the way, for anyone that thinks <laughs> so I'm just like referencing this weird guy. Um, he's my boyfriend. And we have a really interesting relationship in that like, we debate and we talk about really interesting stuff and he's got such a good perspective on things. Um, and he was saying how he went to a talk, um, where the guy was talking about how back in the day you would have an in in tray of like, uh, letters and stuff. And, um, you wouldn't get up and check that every two minutes to make sure if there was something there, like that would be a really poor way of 
like splitting your time. So you would maybe go in the morning at lunchtime and in the evening and you would check and then you would deal with that stuff and then you could get on with your other bits. And the way that he broke it down, I was like, well, of course that makes sense. So why do I spend my entire time looking at my phone, almost waiting for something to come in and being like, oh God, now I need to apply to that as soon as it comes in. Like I've come to learn that, that whilst I'm, I still have a lot of work to do in this area, um, people will wait and things that have to be answered straight away. And if you put your phone down at five o'clock and don't look at it to the next day, the world isn't going to end and no one's going to die. <laughs> so, um, I think, yeah, I'm trying to be much better at that. And so when, in, in answer to your question, I think, no, I don't feel like there's a difference between who I am in my personal life and online because, I would find it really difficult to have to put on a persona mm-hmm. to be online because I've had to, will have had to uphold that for the last five years. And I think <laughs> that'd be quite exhausting, yeah. but, but like, I guess there's, there's like online Alice and I'm trying to be better at like having a, having boundaries with that. Whereas in my real life, obviously that, that those are more blurred, but like online, I do think, right, this is what you're going to get of me. This is how much I'm willing to give, but actually there's also a cutoff point. So do I, you know, reply to every single Instagram DM? I try to reply to a lot. I cannot get through all of them and that's just okay. And I'm going to have to accept that there will be ones that fall, that slip through the net. And if someone gets angry at me for that, I'm so sorry. Like there's like, I've got other stuff to do. Um, but yeah, I think having boundaries is so important. And so I guess that would be the only difference between how I am in my real life and how I am online is that I would say I have stricter boundaries online. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really tricky one because like when your job is on your phone and yeah. you feel like you also earn money through social media and stuff, it's a really tricky one because sometimes I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel and that if you stop running, like everything would just stop. And so having to realise that like that's not going to happen is quite yeah. important. It's also, I imagine the lo- a lot of the stuff that you get through your through your work and emails and on Instagram is exciting Mm. and it means like you have that sort of hit of being like wow oh cool yeah like let me talk to that person or wow let me reply to that email because that's something cool going on Mm. and I was actually thinking this yesterday how I actually love emails and that sounds sorry I know and I'm like oh yes another email yeah yeah yeah. because it is like it's kind of talking to people but not talking to people but do you feel like some of that is because in self-employed life we thrive off like just being needed because like you don't go into work and you've already got stuff set out for you to do yeah so actually like for me sometimes if I have a busy inbox like I'm like great I'm needed I'm wanted I'm in work that's so true and if you have a quiet inbox it's like what's today gonna bring I've never thought of it like that before but I think I do worry when I don't have emails in my inbox and I'm like why why is nobody contacting me whereas like someone in a nine-to-five I'm not so sure they would have the same thing you know like if you if you have you know set tasks within your role and you fulfill those it doesn't matter if you get busy or not like you're kind of you just have stuff to do whereas for us like we basically have to work um a little bit harder I would say um, I hate saying that because I'm sure that we don't but like it's a different if it's a different type of work that you have to kind of do to really like hustle I guess yeah. and to get stuff done and to, to to be busy I like the word the phrase booked and busy <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah to be booked and busy it takes a little bit more and you have to go out and chase stuff so exactly. if you're getting almost, emails in your inbox like I can totally see how that is like right people want me I'm yeah. in do you know what I mean you almost have to find the work for yourself mm. and then create it and it gets bigger and bigger and yeah. then you're like oh cool <laughs> all this stuff going on. Serena actually has a really good um out of office on that is on constantly yes I love it I got that and it's something um beginning of the year the lovely Annie Clark said to me to create boundaries for online Mm. offline is to have what Serena had did you no you had it before right no I think I she's not the only one I there's some maybe Grace has it someone like Grace who was on the podcast um and Annie have them where they have an email being like Due to the nature of my work, I'm not sat at a desk at a laptop, so it might take me longer than usual to get back to you. So I set mine as like, I, I suddenly realised that at like 10pm on a Saturday, I would pick up my phone and look at my emails. And I was like, mm. what are you doing? It's mm. the weekend. You're not a heart surgeon. Nobody mm. needs you desperately. Like, get over yourself. So I set a thing being like, I'm going to try 
and only reply to emails between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Mm. And if it's an emergency, you'll find my number and you'll call mm. me. But mm. it's rarely a reflexology emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um, Quick, come and touch my feet. Yeah, I sometimes feel like that. <laughs> um, so I was just like, this is stupid. Why are you spending your life on your phone when mm. you don't need to? Mm. I think it's really, really great that you have it. I want to put mine back on. You must. It says something like, though, I'm I'm trying to use social media more consciously. or I'm trying to yes, use... Yeah. use Technology, technology more consciously, more consciously. and I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's important for for some, anyone who works for themselves to almost, especially in your life that's, that is so online. Mm. It's a way to almost protect your own energy and yeah. and make sure that you've still got that for mm. everyone in your life. That what I struggle with a lot is is my friends. So this must be you, like times a thousand. My friends who and my loved ones who see me online mm. and they think that they've checked in with me because they mm. can see my face. Mm. But actually, it's a whole other, like, giving your energy to other people mm. in real life mm. is so different to doing mm. it online. Yeah, I do find that. And I think I've been guilty of doing that myself as well, where I think that I've checked in with people because I have, can, like, seen them online and I've seen what they're doing, but have actually messaged them and been like, hey, how are you doing? Probably not. Yeah, and just because you see them dressed up and at a party... You're like, oh, great, like, Sarah's well, Sarah's having a nice mm. time. And actually, if you call Sarah, Sarah might be like, I'm having a yeah. really shit day yeah. and I need a hug. Yeah, I yeah. think there's so much truth in that. I think, like, the other thing as well is I got really upset recently because a friend of a friend made a comment about how... Um, because there is so much good that comes from social media, we don't really have space to complain about the bad stuff because I think sometimes people can see only the good stuff online so yes my platform for the for the most part is very smiley and very happy and very kind of like this is my life um and it's interesting when you said oh you live most of your life online actually I live like probably about five percent of my life online Mm. but people think that is my life Mm. so actually you don't see all the other stuff you don't see you know having an argument last night you don't see me like crying sometimes just because I feel like I need to have a bit of a cry and then I'm fine like you don't see a lot of that stuff because firstly boundaries and also because like it just doesn't make the ground but for whatever reason yeah sitting on emails uh, yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but no it's true and and I think um like she was making reference to um trolling I think and it was like oh you know like if you if you put stuff out there and if you get all the perks of social media like you should have to maybe put up with the the bad side of it I just felt that so like really hard to deal with and to to kind of respect as an opinion and I do think we are all allowed different opinions and I think it's really important that people are allowed to vocalize those but I think that like having been at the and this is like obviously a really hot topic at the moment but having been at the butt of many a troll's kind of like spiel that they've thrown at me for no reason um I do think that it's really important that we realize that it isn't the easiest job that we don't just spend our time getting free stuff and like running around having a great time. It does come with hard times and it does come with it being isolating, difficult, um, antisocial. Like it's not as glamorous as people make out. And there's been many times where I've been like, oh my God, I'm just going to throw it in. I can't be bothered to do this anymore. Like my life is worth more than this because it is really difficult. And the worst part for me is like, your success and your um well-being and your I guess future is in the hands of like other people and they are determining whether you're in or you're out basically and I think like I look at celebrities now and I think like I can totally empathize with how that must feel because it is in the back of your mind always slightly disconcerting that you're like I could be you know tomorrow's newspaper you know today's newspaper is tomorrow's chip holder I can't remember the phrase chip so I'm, holder. Like I'm gonna that. call it a chip holder but anyway that is that is kind of scary because you know you could be old news tomorrow and you could be totally forgotten and and then you're like okay what do I do now I've put all my eggs into one basket which is why I think things like being a personal trainer and continuing with my clients and yeah. stuff is really important for me because I don't want to have that fear of oh God, if everything ends tomorrow, what the hell would I do? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't really know where I was going with this and I can't even remember the question, but I've sort of just <laughs> gone off on tangent. I think it's important to note as well that anyone with a following, 
still just a human being like yes with a heart with a conscious mm. and and this is why i think like social media can be really dangerous and celebrity culture because these people are placed on a pedestal that people do believe that they're so high up that they're almost like that's not a real person there mm. so they feel that they can say anything that they want to that person because as much as they feel like they really really know them they also feel they're not really there yeah. it's a really strange dynamic and it means that like there have been times where I've been sent really, really nasty stuff and I've replied and like my, my kind of mantra is always kill it with kindness. So to always go back in quite a kind and compassionate way, because I think if someone's going to put bad energy out into the world, they've obviously got something going on within them. Yeah. So a lot of the time I'll just go back and say, I'm really sorry you feel that way. Um, you know, I can't change what, who I am or what I'm doing, but um, I hope you have a great day. And nine times out of 10, you will get someone that will come back and say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was just having a really bad day. I'm so sorry that I said that to you. I would never normally say that. I absolutely love what you do. And it's really interesting because when you actually break it down and you show them that there's a real person behind that, most of the time people are like, I can't believe I just said that. Yeah. But like something within us just feels as though those people are untouchable and therefore, you know, it's our God-given right to be able to tell them whatever we think about them and to not think of the consequences of that. Um, so I think, yeah, you're absolutely right that we have to remember that there are human beings behind all of these accounts that have feelings and that have lives that go on outside of social media that are full of, you know, good, bad, and the ugly. And so, you know, you can catch someone on a bad day and yes, they might be a little bit like grumpy and you catch them on a good day and they'll be amazing. And that's just life. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. We do need to remember there are just human beings yeah. behind these accounts. Yeah, I love that. Kill them with kindness. Who was it? There was, it was on a podcast. Someone was saying, I think it was on the Hilo. They were saying that there's some author who whenever somebody writes them a trolling comment, they'll reply being like, look, you've said this to me, but I'm asking you that now you go and, and like, if you don't like my work, that's cool, but go and tell someone whose work that you do like, that you like it. Mm. So you've, you've like put a negative energy out, mm. a negative energy, but then you go and do a positive yeah. one as well. Yeah. But also nice. I find it so weird because like with trolling, for example, that's, that's, that's such a good like way of dealing with it. But also half the time I just think to myself, and I don't always say this, but I do think, I've never forced anyone to follow me. I've never put a gun to someone's head and been like, you must consume my content. That's lucky. Ethanol, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Would I admit to that on a podcast? Probably not. Um, but yeah, so I've never, I've never um, forced someone to follow me. So if you have an issue with what I'm posting, like it is so easy to just unfollow just someone yeah. or mute them. Like I will have no issue with that. I would far rather someone do that than them to like kind of like throw their spiel at me about how much they hate me or you whatever. You don't even notice if they unfollow yeah. you. Yeah. It's some random person who is sitting writing nasty things to you. <laughs> if they unfollow you, like, you won't notice them. I either. know. So why do they do it? Mm. You'd rather have, like, 100 people who love what you do and are giving you all the support and love in the world than a billion people mm. who are throwing hate at you. I mean, what's... Exactly. People just... have too much free time. In all of this, Alice, I'm, you... You do speak a lot about this on your Instagram and I do think that you are very real and very honest and that's why you've got to where you are because that's you and people love that. Hope so. <laughs> and anxiety and, and sort of dealing with mental health is something that crops up a lot mm. as with, I think, anyone who, well, if you don't work for yourself or you do work for yourself, it's becoming more spoken about, therefore mm. we're addressing it a little more. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with with that side of things and in moments, because I know Serena and I, it's something that we deal a lot with mm. in our own sort of anxiety and thankfully we have each other to talk to. Mm. Um, but how do you deal with those sort of battles and when you do have anxious days? Because they, they come out of nowhere. I know they yeah. I think that's a difficult thing sometimes with anxiety is it's so unpredictable. So no matter how great things can be going, you could literally just wake up, well, for me anyway, I could literally just wake up one day and be like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack because I just feel like I can't breathe. And um, yeah, it's really difficult. And I think um, that that's probably the most challenging part of it is there's sometimes no rhyme or reason to it. So you can't prepare for it. You can't just be like, do you know what? I'm just not going to do all these things today because I actually feel really anxious. Like it just comes out of nowhere and you kind of just have to get on with life and manage it in, in as best way you can. Um, I found it incredibly cathartic being able to talk openly about it. Um, and I think that 
there's so much that I've got from sharing my experiences online and it has been really rewarding. Um, and I think mental illness and there's such a spectrum with it. And I appreciate that. And mine is at the, you know, I'm sure what I experience is nowhere near what others do, but in my experience of it, it doesn't care who you are or what you do or where you're from or like whatever. It just can affect you no matter, like for whatever reason. And the best thing you can do with it is what from, in my experience anyway, is to be able to share that experience and to be able to get whatever it is that I feel is causing my anxiety off my chest. I think I, when I moved to London, I had this like, sorry, I had this absolute, I was totally convinced that I wanted to live on my own. I had this idea of like living in a flat on my own, so bougie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just had this complete independence. And I ended up doing it. Like I found a flat, I worked really hard, I saved up, um, lived on my own. And I did it for a year. And genuinely, it was the most miserable year of my life. I was so lonely. My anxiety was through the roof. I would spend every night just scrolling social media, which then makes you feel terrible. And um, it, it was only when I moved in with my boyfriend that, you know, I got to the end of each day and I was like, oh, can't wait for Paddy to come home. Yeah. Gotta have a little debrief about the day and I can tell him about all the shit that's annoyed me. <laughs> um, but honestly, like the difference in me, even just having someone that like you can offload to at the end of the day when you have bottle stuff up or you've sort of repressed any feelings um it's so empowering because I could then go to sleep being like okay anxiety's still gonna happen and there's still stuff there that like no matter how much I talk about it it's still in my head but actually like you let off the steam and imagine it as a steam like cooker or whatever or kettle but unless you let off some of that steam every now and then something is gonna blow Mm -hmm. and so even just that daily kind of like debrief I find is really really helpful um but then also through social media like sometimes if I'm on the bus and I'm feeling particularly anxious or I'm traveling whatever um to go into my notes on my phone and just writing something that comes straight from the heart that I'm just like do you know what this is how I'm feeling and I just need to get it all out onto the paper and try not to cry on the bus but honestly it um it does make a massive difference because in sharing that experience the fact that other people read that and say, do you know what, I, I go through exactly the same. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes the beauty of social media, having talked about some dark sides of it. Like the beauty is that connection with other people who have similar experiences to you, who have gone through the same stuff, who can relate to what you're doing. Like it is really nice. And it makes me feel so much better because I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I am like I'm not the only one that's going through this. Because yeah. sometimes it, it, that's the worst thing. It can be so isolating and you suddenly think, oh my God, am I the only person that, that feels this way? So, and if you have a I've I've been really suffering with my sleep lately Mm. and if you have like a sleepless night and then you wake up the next day like gosh how am I going to get through today Mm. and you're right if you do put it on social media or you put it somewhere and someone's like I also had a terrible night's sleep like Mm. we're in this together and you Mm. suddenly feel like yeah we are Mm. yes human yeah through the the screen but I also think like (laughs) and this might be a bit controversial but I think sometimes we just need a little bit of sympathy Mm. like and we want that yeah and I think we're so we're taught to be so like hard as nails and to never show emotion and to kind of be really resilient particularly as women um we've sort of fought for equality and we've got that to to a certain degree not completely (laughs) um but we're getting there and so I think a lot of women think that they can't let down that that kind of guard because if they do they're showing like weakness and actually sometimes like if I share how I'm feeling and you know it's it's emotional or it's like that I've got anxiety whatever like sometimes I do just want them to be like do you know what like I hope you're okay and I'm really sorry that you're feeling that way and sometimes like you just need a little bit of sympathy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I know it sounds really self-indulgent and I'm sure it probably is and I'm sure there's probably people thinking at home being like oh my god you're so self-indulgent but like sometimes that you do and you know when I'm like alone with my thoughts like sometimes it's just nice to be with be, for someone to be like I hope you're okay yeah like do you know what I mean yeah and also surely better to be self-indulgent in a conscious way than unconsciously mm. at least if you're like you know what I do need some sympathy and some attention and and like that's great it's worse if you're running around being like oh poor me poor me I need this I need this <laughs> yeah. and not even realizing yeah yeah because I completely agree I think mm. sometimes all you need is a bit of like oh poor you and yeah We had um, the brilliant Robert Gray on the podcast two weeks ago and he shared something that I think, well, I've been doing it a lot 
getting peers to do it a lot, is when we have had a day by ourselves in our thoughts a lot, which I'm exactly the same as you. When mm. my boyfriend Pierce comes home, I'm like, hi, tell, I'm going to tell you everything that happened. And he's like done talking. Yeah. But he said to release that sort of energy tension, get your partner to tickle you. <laughs> and it will just like release this whole thing. Mm. You'll laugh, you'll giggle, and it'll almost like pop the bubble. Yeah. I mean, this is a very like small scale of feeling shit on mm. the day, but um, I've, been, I've been trying it loads and it's lovely. The thing is, like, what happens if you're not ticklish? Are you not? Oh, no. <gasps> really? Nowhere? Yeah, no. You're a rare breed. My dad, when, he was, when we were younger, like, obviously, like, used to, like, play as kids and I was just like, nope, not bothered. <gasps> not bothered. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder if there's any, like, research behind, like, why some people are ticklish and some people aren't. I don't think I know anybody who's not ticklish. In walks Alice. In walks yeah. Alice, yeah. Hard as nails. Okay. Something that Paddy does that makes yeah. you laugh. But honestly, laughter, like, beyond tickling, laughter is sometimes the best medicine. Yeah. And I think some, like, I've got really close friends, um, my best friend, actually, Lewis, who every time I see him, we will just laugh. And I feel like it's, like, almost like a drug that when he leaves, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like the best friends in the world. I'm so happy. Because it does. It's like a, it's like that big release that you need. Mm. And I think, like, this this is only um, obviously relevant to people that live in London, but I think London life can be really, like, people are angry and aggressive a lot of the time and it's quite stressful. And, so like, I got on the tube the other day and a woman shouted at me and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, I know. I should just remember, like, um, But, like, I think... Yeah, like the more that we can sort of laugh and be playful and like be silly, you just yeah, you get rid of all of that because yeah. I think otherwise it is a bit, 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 bit restrictive. Everyone yeah. takes themselves too seriously. <laughs> yeah. And then in this vein, your healthy habit that yes. you gave us, yes, this surely must help. Oh my god, yes, massively. So what was it? So it was reading before bed, which is a big game changer for me because I used to be, I love reading, but I would only ever really read on holiday. So I would go on holiday and get through like three or four books. But then when I'm like in London, it would be that I'd be on my phone before bed. Mm. Um, And then I just suddenly decided, I was like, this is crazy. I'm literally spending so much time on my phone. I'm on my phone during the day for work. I'm on my phone when I'm like fanning around doing other things. And then I'm on my phone before bed. Like I need to have proper separation from it. Um, and so I decided that I was going to get back, get back into reading and actually like, I think there's this weird thing with books that people, I don't know, like there's, and maybe it's a social media thing, but I felt like I always had to be reading a self-help book because I thought it was about like growth and like whatever. And actually like the worst, like self-help books are sometimes, don't get me wrong, I've read a couple of really good ones, but most of them for me put a, a looking glass on my anxiety and it's like these are all the things that are wrong with you and I'm like oh my god I am the worst but like I, I read them and I just think oh my god this is me and it makes me feel terrible so actually like sometimes they're the worst things that I can read so I've been reading more fiction um, and I'm currently reading the most amazing book called I Am Pilgrim which is Ooh. so good it's so good it's isn't it? so good no I don't know really yeah I don't know anyone that hasn't read that that's read it that hasn't said it's amazing oh like Every person that I talk to is like, that book is amazing. Really? Okay, I'm putting it on my So, list. and it's long as well. So, like, it's a, it's a good meaty book. It's like Shantaram length, I think. Yes. It's like a good oh. wedge. Really meaty. Do you carry it around with you? Oh, no, just no so bed. just before bed. So I try and do a couple, of, and also the chapters are really short. So you can do, like, three chapters before yeah. bed and stop at a really good point and then put it down. Um, but, yeah, so I'm reading before bed. And it's made such a big difference to um, just, like, calming my mind before I go to sleep. But also that that sense of escapism which I think is really really important that like if you're only ever in the social media world like you'll go to bed and you'll think about it you'll wake up you're back in it whereas for me like to escape into a book or to to have that kind of separation and be able to switch my mind off and totally focus on like a a fictional narrative is really um calming and so then I go to sleep and I'm like oh I slept like a baby and honestly Paddy and I both we sleep really well um and I do think that reading before bed is a is a really good one so I think it helps there's nothing like reading and trying to keep your eyes open. Like, going down the page like, oh, I don't know where I was. I'll go back up there. Oh. Yeah. And then just closing your book and being like, I'm asleep. Yeah, then I, I get that. I have to go for a wee. I have that. And then I'm like, well, now I have to go to the loo. And then by the time you get back into bed, you're awake again. Oh, so then you, no. you read and read yeah. it. I'm a really good sleeper, touch wood. Like, I have never really had 
that much of a problem with sleeping. Sometimes I will wake up in the night and then if I have like a period of bad anxiety, I can be awake for a load of, for a lot of, a, a long time. But um I'm pretty good at falling to sleep, nice. which is good. And so is Paddy. That's so a like, good skill to have. I know. Can you only sleep in bed or can you sleep on planes and stuff? Um, I can sort of, I never sleep well on planes and things like that, but I can sleep, yeah. Those are the people I'm mega jealous of, Me the too. people who get on a plane. That is, my, boy, <gasps> that is my boyfriend. No. Anywhere, anywhere. We could literally be anywhere and he will fall asleep. Good yeah, for him. I know. Lucky Paddy. Power, power oh. superpower. Paddy Power. Paddy Power. <laughs> I was trying to get out of superpower and I was like, power, power, superpower. And then you were like, Paddy Power. <laughs> that really escalated. <laughs> Alice, thank you so, so much. Oh my God, much. thank you. Thank you, that was amazing. I've had the best food and like a little Yay. deep chat afterwards. Yeah, it's it been like dreamy. <laughs> glorious Tuesday afternoon. Oh, good. Thanks for joining us today, Alice. It's my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you so much. A huge thank you to Alice for taking the time to sit down with us. She is a very busy girl, so it was absolutely wonderful to have her on the podcast. It was so interesting hearing her talk so honestly and openly about Instagram. Sarah, you know that I really feel the pressure of social media. It's something that stresses me out quite a lot. And that's with my modest little following. So I cannot even imagine what it feels like having that hanging over you when you have over 600,000 followers like Alice does. I know, it's pretty mad. I I actually always think about it, putting all of everyone's followers in one room and just think about how many people that is that look to you for guidance. And that blows my mind. So the pressures of that must be enormous. And it would have to be a pretty big room. Oh yeah, it would. <laughs> Lots of space. If you want in on Alice's three favourite ingredients, then head over to at Kitchen Club Podcast on Instagram for the recipe. Alice was actually the grand finale. She was our last guest of season one, which is pretty mad that it's coming to a close. But we'll be back next week for some Christmas lols, reflecting on the season gone by and sharing our thoughts and hopes for the year ahead. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Keep sharing the love. See you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.